0: Hey, everybody, this is Drew. And this is Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast.
1: In today's episode, we're going to be gallivanting around a plague-ridden London, circa 1918, while collecting knick-knacks to entertain our hospitalized sister. And finally, we're going to fight back against the plague of demons while rescuing a princess that is in this castle.
0: Alright, and as Blake said, the f- first game we're going to be talking about tonight is the game Vampire or Vampyr? Depends on how they spelled it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Vampyr?
0: Vampire, maybe. P-Y-R. They, yeah, V-A-M-P-Y-R, right?
1: P s. So they spelled it
0: weird. How, who knows how you pronounce that? This game is developed by... Here's another pronunciation. Dotnet? Or Don't Nod? Uh,
1: yeah. There's no punctuation. No
0: punctuation. <sighs> Dotnet. If you've played any games in the past couple of years, you most likely recognize them from developing Life is Strange and then now currently releasing Life is Strange 2. They didn't develop Life is Strange before the storm. They had led another studio, which I don't know off the top of my head, was developing before the storm while they were actually currently working on Vampire. Before all of this stuff, back on the 360, people may remember, ironically, the game Remember Me, which was I'm pretty sure was the first game they developed.
1: As far as I know. More of a
0: sci-fi Oh, how do you explain remember me? You jump in on people's memories and rearrange it's people's memories and then and it's Cyberpunk esque jumping
1: into people's like memory implants and rewriting what they remember. Yeah. And then, you so. build combo you build your own combos. Like you build a, combos
0: inside your menus and then when you press buttons it does the combos in the combat. But that's an entirely different game for possibly an entirely entirely different day. Everything comes around to leading into them developing vampire. Which is, like I said, a game based in what, London, 1918, yeah, post, I. post World War One. Post World War One, and the city has is being ravaged not only by a what they call the Spanish flu, which is most everybody just getting sick and just flat out dying from it. You're starting to have the town being overrun by vampires. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's like an actual historically accurate of the Spanish flu hitting London. I think that's a real thing. Well, the vampires aren't true. I mean, who knows? They could be. <laughs> you
0: could, could use the Spanish flu to hide the actual... For all we know, vampires exist today. I don't know. Who knows? I want to start out real quick before we talk about the rest of the game throughout. We normally try to be very positive about our games around here. I did complete this game more or less out of spite. I actually quite hate just about everything about this game. It does so many things wrong that it, it's it's hard to recommend for anybody but we did me and Blake did kind of play two versions of this game there is sort of two endings or two ways to play this game there is a you play through a a version where you don't kill any humans whatsoever and then there's a version where you go around killing everybody me and Blake normally when we play video games that have a good or evil kind of kick to them I sort of always lean towards the good side and Blake will lean towards the bad more or less because he can't help himself
1: I can't I'm sorry I played what would be the
0: good side, particularly for an achievement, which I kind of regret trying to do, because it involved playing the game on a higher difficulty and also not killing any humans, which made the game all around way more difficult than it deserved to be. And Blake played <laughs> on the easy difficulty and then was wiping out all the people he, that I didn't kill. And we'll, I'll let Blake kind of explain the difference and what that means with the gameplay.
1: As you're playing through, of course, it's RPG-like. So you're getting, you're doing quests and you're gaining experience. And as you talk to people, uh, you get to uncover like what they're. They're, they're just
0: the plot lines of the
1: characters you talk, as you delve into conversations with them, and the more information you have about them, the more experience they're worth when you quote unquote embrace them, which is the with the term they use for when you kill them. And so once you kill them, you you get large lumps of free experience, mm-hmm. which lets you just rocket up past the world around you and start doing buku's amounts of damage. So, yeah.
0: So that means when as Blake went around eating people and gaining truckloads of experience I was playing without killing and only getting the tiny bits of experience you get from completing quests or I think it gave you a bit a lot of the time for completing a person's entire dialogue sequence like if you get all the way through their dialogue sequence you get a
1: little lump sum in the end oh I think it was each hint specifically gave you a little bit a little bit more experience and you also because we didn't explain this first the character you're playing as is a doctor yeah look well, yeah, we should probably start
0: with the story. You're playing as a doctor Jonathan Reed returning home to London from the war. Whichever war that was, World War One. World War Just in time to get back into London while the Spanish flu is hitting, and he arriving home is the from the beginning of the game is immediately attacked and quote unquote, I guess not quote unquote but killed by the vampire that would be his maker. The game starts with him becoming a vampire.
1: It does have a pretty strong opening. I, uh, I did it, enjoy that. Do you want
0: Ironically, I'm not going to spoil the opening because I mean, granted, it's in the first few minutes. It's one of the but better parts, it, right? The opening the character you're involved with in the opening and a few other scenes later in the game with that character I would say are probably some of the better scenes and or possibly only noteworthy scenes in the game. So we get to where you're playing as a doctor who obviously wants to save people. So I feel like the The main mechanic of the game, which is eating or not eating your patients, or Mm -hmm. actually not all patients. You meet a lot of people, just patients, but other civilians all around London. The main mechanic of that... I feel like is almost immediately screwed up by who your character is. The character Jonathan does lean pretty heavily into saving people and taking being a doctor very seriously. So even as he's turned into a vampire, he has no intention of killing anybody. From what I can tell from Blake's side of his dialogue, there's never any part in the story that uh, Jonathan would change his mind. Mm
1: -mm, Not one. As I've as far as I played as Jonathan going down the uh, the evil embracing path, well the entire game right we well, yeah, I went yeah, I went the entire game. not once did his constitution his um, yeah I'll say his vampirism did not affect his personality in any kind of way. Yeah, not at all I, there's a word I'm looking for hmm. his constitution, his constitution not, con- his, um, it's not constitution. It's more of a his willpower. No, oh my God, my brain is so stupid right now. It's his willpower, his ideology. There you go. His ideology, because he's a doctor. He wants to help people. He takes his uh, Hippocratic Oath very seriously as a doctor. You do
0: actually work in a hospital a little bit and meet other doctors who are actually not quite up
1: to Jonathan's standards. Yeah that was one of my bigger problems with the game is jonathan is with including everyone is definitely top two top three people in the game when it comes to being just a good individual yeah
0: most people you meet
1: are terrible and i I felt that was real cheap of the game it's almost everyone you meet kind of either starts out nice and then reveals to have some sort of horrible secret yeah God, what do you call that?
0: Not a story crutch. You literally, without fail, and this is one of my gripes with the game overall, is it gets really tiresome if you catch it early on. And sorry if you're going to play this game, or you're going to plant a bug in your head, but every person you meet, if they're real nice to you when you first meet them, and you, they'll dig into their storyline they've done or are currently doing something horrible. If you meet somebody who is really mean and rude to you when you first meet them, you find out that, oh, they're not actually that bad of a person. they got something going on in their life. What do you call that? Is that a crutch or a cliché? It's both it's tiresome more than anything and i caught it i caught on to it pretty early on because you meet this you go to the city and sections you meet batches of people and you kind of quickly realize through the conversations you're like well you say you do the first batch you're like it's kind of weird i'm kind of getting a vibe here of how people are but maybe it's just me and then you go to the second batch of people and you see it happen again and there's like four sections four major hubs More four house. hubs so they get to the second hub and it kind of does that again and you're like oh boy here we go this is what i got
1: myself into there are a few exceptions to the rule, and I think they did that on purpose. There's a few people who just are, are, just, they just sort of neutral. are like that. I'm not going to give names, but that poet fella, he's just there. He's not doing any harm. Nobody. He's just a homeless poet. He's not good. He's not bad. Homeless poet. Hangs, Which sector? Uh, Whitechapel. He hangs out in the graveyard behind the church. Yeah, he doesn't do anything at Him, all. Yeah, but there's usually like one. Because there's him. One kind of neutral person. There's that other fella in the hospital yeah. who broke his arm, and he's just like, I'm waiting on surgery, and they say it's going to take forever. He's yeah, worthless. Got, and you have the two petty doctors fighting over who gets to do the surgery which way, and you're like... Yeah, the guy just sits there the entire gets, game and does nothing. Well, did, well I killed them both, but, so, but if you kill one of them, and then sleep and depending on which one you do one of them will succeed in his surgery and he'll go on free the other one will botch his surgery and kill him oh really <laughs> if, the, yeah. if you that's or, where
0: yeah It's how it. he said, when he said sleep a second ago, that's kind of how the game progresses time. You are a vampire, so you kind of only work in the night. Weirdly enough, through, was it this? I I found through reading that... No, in game mythology, you find those writings. The vampires don't die from sun. It hurts. It hurts them a lot, but they don't die. There was a scientist who had caught a vampire and tied him to a tree, and he left out through the sun all day, and it didn't kill him. So he came outside and chopped his head off with an axe. Yeah. that's weird for vampire mythology for the sun to not just flat out kill them. It, it hurts. It's excruciating yeah. pain, like melted yeah. him down. You don't deal with lore, you don't deal with any sunlight in this game. This game's this game's perpetually handled in the night, which is the point of the sleeping mechanic. You when you gather your experience, you only spend your experience when you sleep. When you sleep, it goes to the next night, and what that does is pushes time forward. So like when Blake would kill somebody or anything like that, the events of what happens and there's other four major four or five major choices you make throughout the game that The events don't push forward until you rest until the next night.
1: Sometimes it's a forced sleep. Get forced? I know some of those big major decisions. Well, it's funny. It's a forced sleep, but doesn't because it says a few nights later. But then. The progression of the world around you didn't actually move forward. None of your people who were sick. Was there any forced sleeping?
0: I don't think I had any forced nights.
1: Well, they said it would obviously a few nights later, but it actually had no effect. Oh no, okay, I got no you. Real effect. That's the forced sleeping I was talking about. Are we
0: forgetting any of the game mechanics per se?
1: Well, you, we're talking mostly about the uh, the dialogue and embracing. We haven't dove into the fighting. Yeah. <laughs> you want to deal? I can, fighting? I guess, because so. We'll bounce back and the, forth. Yeah, the the drastic difference in me and Blake's game, the
0: story and stuff, is mostly the same. Stupidly enough, considering how we do things, when Blake kills people, they just ca- weren't there no more, and uh, only characters directly connected to him even noticed more often
1: than not. Unless I killed them a bunch of people before I fell asleep, and then it didn't just it didn't matter. Yeah.
0: So the other large part of this game, which is where me and Blake's experience was different, was the difficulty of the combat, and I was only playing on um, what the game called normal. I don't know what these developers think normal difficulty is to be honest when every confrontation I got into, whether me being a vampire fighting humans or other various creatures out the game, every encounter I got into was a life or death situation. Every time and not in a fun way. I feel like they tried to get some idea and some other stuff from any of the souls series. The combat is very souls esque. You have your all your your attack, you can
1: block, you can dodge. I wouldn't even you can't block. Can't block? Mm-mm, you can only dodge. It was more Bloodborne than it was Souls. I think there I is- a block. There's an ability you can buy that you can use a blood shield, but you have to buy and If you don't buy it, anyway, there is no. Either
0: shield. way, if you play the Souls game, you, you're about to play. If you and you play vampire, you're about to play a crappy version of a Souls game because you have your health bar and your and then your stamina bar, which I find to be a huge mistake in this game, and then your blood bar, which you need to do your special blood abilities. But you can you replenish that by you can bite people in combat. Apparently, vampires can drink the blood of anything. And it'd be okay in
1: this mythology? In most mythologies, they choose to eat humans because it tastes better, but a lot it's of people...
0: The only nourishment comes from human blood and sometimes other animals, but other animals always felt
1: beneath. Well, I mean, yeah, you look at Buffy. Yeah. Angel had a... He would drink the blood of, like... He ate rats and stuff. And went rats and pig blood and Just stuff to get and by, Yeah, but... He, Just to get by. I mean, he... he you would prefer you, <laughs> and they you can, prefer but you, you, but you can
0: bite there's other creatures I won't say what and then there, you do fight the occasional I won't say the occasional you do fight a couple of vampires you can bite them just the same what I find about the combat that's the most broken is the stanima bar this game really has no excuse to have one Blake made a point pretty early on because he initially started on the difficulty I was playing on because I think he was going to try to do the playthrough I did but the stand of a bar is a huge handicap, and Blake made the point of vampires don't get tired, so why would they have a stand a bar to begin with?
1: They're dead. They don't They're need
0: tired. they They don't get tired. They, don't, they don't get winded. Like none of that stuff happens. But the stamina bar is literally placed in the game just as a game mechanic to make the combat excessively more difficult than it needs to be because your enemies don't have stamina bars. They don't get tired. They never stop attacking. And on my side of combat, when I'm getting hit by anything, if I get hit, I immediately have to heal more so than I ever had to do in almost any Dark Souls game. I feel like when you get hit in this game, if my next move isn't get away and heal, then I've already lost this fight. And that's every single encounter I ran into. From the l- lowliest, weakest trash vampire, because you got some crazy trash vampires, to just humans walking around with torches. Every fight was, is this worth it? Is, and, and speaking of fights being worth it, killing anything in the game is the lowest experience you get. So there's absolutely zero benefit to fighting in the game, whatsoever.
1: Yeah, the only some of the story encounters were okay, but for the your average, even according to the the guide that I followed, then was it true? It was 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 T A. Even in the guide. He was like, "There's fights here, but you can just go around them because these—he's like killing all three of these enemies is only going to be worth 15 experience, literally. And some so, level ups require a thousand plus. Really
0: early in the game, so I can go talk to a pedestrian, complete his conversation, and get a few hundred, or I can walk down an alleyway and fight a hobo with a torch. A hobo with a torch who's probably about a 90% chance he's probably going to kill me, and if by some miracle I manage to survive." I might get five to ten experience points, and that's the entire game. No matter how hard something is, no matter how hard a fight is, and I don't know how they judge experience by per enemy because you'll go into you'll stumble into a fight that's. I'll say it's a spoil. It's, it, it, you're playing a vampire. There's, there's 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 regular humans, there's thugs, and then there, of course there's vampire hunters. So you'll stumble into like a group of three or four ba- vampire hunters, have probably the biggest, most obnoxious fight of your life. And by some miracle, literally it's miracle upon miracle. That you survive, and you'll be like, man, this should they should just dump experience on me. I should be able to level up 6,000 times, because this fight was...
1: Just so epic. It was one for the ages. Yeah,
0: they're going to be writing about this in the history books. This fight was so epic. I mean, it's the greatest of wars. And then my, my experience thing pops up at the top of the screen. It's like 10. In times like that, I sometimes wish that I, before this game came out, I had just gotten the Spanish flu and died before I ever touched this game. <laughs> Spanish flu don't seem so bad in the scheme of things. You know. Now, why did I beat this game? I can't tell you. Mostly I'm a maniac. And and now, this may be the second or third game that I will say that I beat completely out of spite for the game itself. Number first one, maybe ever, was probably Evil Within. I tortured myself in that game, too. Uh, both Blake and Jessica both quit that game Oh yeah. way early on. I think they both thought they had gotten very far. They had played maybe not even a quarter of the game. I went all the way through. That one, even with I'm a I'm proud of because I went. I'm gonna some crazy nonsense to get to that game. Dig into that. The second game that I not only beat and platinumed out of spite was Bloodborne. I, have, like I said, me and Blake have beat, so we know difficulty. We've beat all of the Souls games, so we know when a, a hard game, whatever. Blah blah blah. But Bloodborne was just not fun in any kind of way. I hated almost every second of playing that game, and me and Blake co-opted that. I don't think he hated it quite as much as I did, or even hated it at all, who knows, but I absolutely hate Bloodborne, and uh, and I we platinum that game, and that was purely out of spite. My, what I did with Vampire is I've set myself up, because Vampire requires two playthroughs to get the 1K in it, one killing nobody, which I did, and then one pretty much killing everybody and putting the city into complete turmoil which I have now set up that I can do but this game was Gamefly and I was extremely upset and mad by the whole experience that we went ahead and we both beat it we sent it back. This is on my list of a game I'm probably going to 1k eventually out of spite because I will have I have an easy second playthrough I get to bottom out the difficulty and murder everybody that's literally the playthrough
1: I just did not feel like doing it because the actual game itself was not fun I noticed I was having a lot of difficulty probably around the second boss in the game. Like I almost I, I quit the game. What's the second boss? Because I want to talk about the
0: one boss where I want to explain more to the difficulty of this game or the unbalance of this game. The one boss I want to say. you have the
1: first one who is the William and then you have the second one which is the Bug Beast oh yeah forget that yeah I fought the blood beast thing in the sewers
0: and uh, that fight took me like two or three tries Blake did actually quit did you quit
1: there I I quit right there I was like I'm done I don't want to do this because
0: he was playing on my difficulty he actually started over that's what a couple hours in
1: about two or three if you're wandering so, around yeah, and so he, so he, the environment.
0: Yeah, he restarted and uh, dropped it down to the, the lowest difficulty and caught back up with me pretty rapidly. But we did get to a another boss later on. That one boss that I knew I was ahead of Blake and it was a boss I fought on my difficulty where I was literally going to quit. It was a, a fight of Vampire who has all kinds of powers you don't have. Who is younger than you yet extremely more powerful than you are. Okay. I fought that... Yeah, you know who it is? I fought that fight the most unfair fight that I've ever probably fought in a video game. That fight in particular is harder than any any boss. Afterwards, you fight a vampire hunter later, and then the last boss itself. I think this particular fight was the hardest and most unfair and imbalanced thing I've seen in the entire game. I maybe fought this boss for two hours, probably multiple attempts, where I was nearly about to, right on the cusp of quitting, and I... I don't know maybe because I'm amazing or something I managed to win following the next night I was about to watch Blake fight the same fight the fight that I spent multiple hours attempting and multiple failures Blake beat the fight in probably 15 to 30 seconds and I can't explain my disappointment
1: he he hurt me Um, I can't talk about it he hurt me
0: so if that, I don't know if that says anything for the the major gap in difficulty between two difficulty
1: settings. And there's a higher difficulty than what I played on, from my understanding, just based off watching Drew play on normal. And what I played on was the easy mode, was just literally called story mode. Like I don't think you can actually die. You can die. I've seen you get close to dying. I mean, yeah, probably. But how it works, just off my own experimentation, I think that it doubles the amount of damage you do while having halving. halving Amount of damage that you take. Yeah. So I had my like, bosses like hitting me with like the ultimate attack and just taking off slivers of health. Yeah. And I'd walk up and hit them with my weapon and take off like a quarter or yeah. take off like a good chunk. Yeah. So it definitely. There's on a on the flip
0: side, uh, everybody I fought was hitting me with buses while I'm throwing twigs at them is okay. the best way to explain it and it and I can't exaggerate it enough I don't feel like the game is immensely unfair and unbalanced compared to what you are because you're, you're superhuman too you're a vampire yourself and you have your own set of vampire abilities okay. That should put you above and beyond. The story even tells you, which is the most obnoxious thing that games, that modern games do wrong so many times, is the story literally tells you that your character is special and more powerful than other people because of your vampire lineage, and it means absolutely nothing. To have you are a little baby running around getting beat the entire game. you baby. Basically- was not. It was not a single fight where I felt like
1: I did good. No, I heard you in the other room. You weren't having a good time. Yeah. I know we're speaking real bad about this game. Foot took a few positives. A few positives, yeah. Play on story mode. If you don't care about achievements, the reason Drew had to play on normal <laughs> is because... Quote, unquote, had to. In order for him to obtain an achievement, which is the not killing anybody and not having anyone die through any actions of yours, he had to play on normal. It will not let you get that achievement on story, 80, on story mode. Yeah. I... Upon switching to story mode, uh, when it came to combat, I had a blasty blast. You're
0: murdering everything?
1: Just walling through enemies, left and right. I'm like, oh, you're a big bad boss? Because I watched you do this. There's a um, a fight much, much later. Um, what's his name? I don't want to... They all say names too much. Yeah. Was it the Vampire Hunter? Yes, that fella. I think you beat him on your first or second try?
0: Second try. He got me with this gun the one time. Now, literally, that boss, I was so freaking nervous about that boss. I was nervous about that boss because Blake warned me about it because Blake coolly got ahead of me because his pace was much faster than mine. For fighting. I was scared of that boss. Believe me, I meant to say the word scared. I was scared to fight that boss, and Blake had warned me about what the last boss was going to do to me. Both turned out to be easier than that previously mentioned boss, but I did die one time on the Vampire Hunter, and the last boss I beat in one try. To be honest,
1: but we'll we'll stick with this uh the this, this particular vampire hunter. I walked in gave me a big spiel and my, like big old, a big old spiel uh, what, monologue? and my guide even told me was like be wary of this guy there are traps around and he has like a, a rapid fire crossbow that shoots like 5 bolts before he has to reload
0: yeah speaking of the crossbow Blake says rapid fire crossbow that shoots what 3 or 5 bolts that,
1: it, it, the guide said 5, five and bolts. he has to
0: reload so that crossbow gets to shoot 5 bolts he rapid fires those bolts in your direction guess how many bolts it takes to hit me and kill me one and a half? Let's say one. As I frantically... Now, he only beat me one time, but it only took one from nearly full health from one bolt as I dashed like a maniac around the room, into other traps, we'll say. Around other traps or into other traps. Anyway, it took one, pow, 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 pow. It only took one bolt to actually hit me, and I dropped, and that fight was over. So I knew I had to approach the fight differently my second time.
1: For me, the fight started, he gave his monologue, is like I'm gonna get you. And the first thing I do is you have an ultimate move that takes away has like massive cooldown and takes some of your your blood bar. I started the fight, hit my special, one hit kill. <clears throat> yeah. The fight took fifteen seconds. And easy mode is super fun. Yeah. It's yeah. not nears of if you take away anything, play easy mode for the sake of gameplay. For the
0: sake of gameplay, I would say if you want the gameplay to be fun now would say a few more positive things because having fun in the gameplay does not save this game. There's a few, any more positives? I have a few. Just yeah. a couple. The overall g- graphics—it looked very pretty. I'd say the environments looked good. The people were hit or very hit or miss. The the important people looked
1: good. The the minor characters not so much.
0: Feel like I didn't like the way the cameras sit when you're talking to people because they yeah, might like, have control over it, right? Yeah, you could turn the camera, but people were never looking at you, they're always kind of like looking away from you no matter, no matter where you turn the camera. Because like it kind of tried to keep Jonathan in the camera mm-hmm. while you tried to face the person, and then it, it got real wonky in cutscenes too. When I'm like, had it, the camera was like not pointing at people who were talking, like they were clearly having a long conversation, the camera was pointing at the wrong person, yeah. and then it would switch to the other person. I was like, who's directing this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the the environment is great. The yeah. the London, 1918 London. Everywhere you go, everything you see. It's dark and raining all the time, per England, but
1: London. Yeah. But yeah, but it's the game does look good in that fashion. And it, I'm not trying to compare it because it is no way, shape, or form a Souls game. But they definitely drew influence because as you move through these hub areas yeah. and the back streets, you do unlock some of these uh, quarantine barricades and shortcuts Just through fences houses and stuff. Yeah, so lots of shortcuts. And the, the game gets much easier to traverse, like...
0: There is. We will note, before you even waste your time Googling there, because I did Google, there is no fast travel. They expect you to sprint back and forth across this map. Now, the map's not as big as you might think it is at first glance, but it is weak that you have these hideouts throughout the game where you go to level up. I find there to be little to no excuse for two reasons. Little to no excuse to why you can't fast travel between safe houses. There's no reason why not. Mm -hmm. And two, you have this occasional vampire teleport thing you can do while you're traversing. Why that doesn't... Why that's not upgradable and faster and does anything beyond the
1: occasional teleport, I do not know. Well, not even that in in a cutscene right after you beat the first boss. Yeah, he does it. No, the other character just goes whoop and just flies away. Yeah like yeah. literally flies no. away and yeah you're like no excuse there's just,
0: there's literally i don't know if anybody ever contacted developers or there's any official because any open world every open world game I don't care what you think of an open world game they should have fast travel I don't care how beautiful the game is and like oh you should just walk everywhere and just experience the world and yeah, I forget that every open world game regardless of size needs fast travel. Even back early episodes, I think Mafia 3 had no fast travel. Little you could
1: no, hop in a car and auto-drive. There's no auto-drive. Auto-driving
0: is really only in, in L.A. Noir. Uh-uh. But, uh, yeah, but there's no fast travel in that game either. There's no excuse why you can't just like click on a place and just even certain spots and just click there and just warp there. There's no excuse for it. Yeah, like warp to either hospitals or police stations or the, I played, uh, the, the, Now, The Witcher is dramatically larger than these two games. It, uh, has, fast travel. it has fast travel. Not. Uh, it's pretty, I will say picky, but it, you have these fast travel posts scattered throughout, so we're getting kind of tangent but there's no yeah. really, Vampire has literally no excuse whatsoever no matter what the developer has ever told anybody, even even addressed it. There's literally
1: no excuse for no fast travel. Yeah other
0: positives
1: (laughs) for a game that is a lot of dialogue the voice acting is pretty phenomenal I didn't have a single problem with any voice actor trying to think I think
0: I feel like every every voice actor probably nailed it when you would look at a a particular character walk into a character and you would meet them and you'd initiate dialogue I was never I was honestly if it's the one good game, good thing about the game is that none of the voice actors ever put me off. They start speaking, and you're like, that's exactly how that guy or girl should sound.
1: They did well with like some of the poor dialects versus rich dialects.
0: Oh, yeah, people did have different dialects. And different, and I, I, I love the company had research on that particular stuff, because there's poor side of town, and rich part of, part of
1: town. Because you hit up uh, just people, like, everyone knows about what Whitechapel is. Yeah. Yeah, every, that's, if you don't know, you're like, what's Whitechapel? Then you, bless your heart. But Whitechapel is where Jack the Ripper did all of his killings. Yeah. And Whitechapel, so if you don't know what that is, that's at least one thing you should know. And they have like the upper West End and then the slums, like the docks, the slums. Yeah, and then the the rich part of town. And then each area, just about everyone you talked to had a distinct dialect. Yeah, and I thought that was very good.
0: Any Any more positive things?
1: The music. Oh, God, the that, 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 that should have been my point. The music
0: was, music was pretty spot on, mostly a lot
1: of violin and cello work. It was like, uh, like synthetic cello and some because it yeah. would do the, the jarring. Yeah, it was really kind of that, uh,
0: during particular moments in the game, there was it'd be like, uh, uncomfortable is the right word, but jarring, he like said just this uncomfortable, weird, moody, really dark kind of gothic music, which uh, fit the game and the look of the
1: game rather well. So I actually appreciated the soundtrack quite a bit. And I got to experience something musically that Drew never did. Is when you go to embrace somebody. Oh yeah. The game, you mesmerize them, mm-hmm. and then the game. You have kind of switched to your vampire senses and it directs you away from people to like a darkened alley or to yeah. an alcove. Not, not to say you won't take multiple people to the exact same dark spot. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the time. But as you're going through, there's a slow like humming, like a very quiet opera maybe because it's, it's vocal and music and it's just quiet. You can't even hear it at first and then the closer you get to the dark spot, it starts picking up. And I think they're saying like blood drink blood it's like voices in your head and then it crescendos as soon as you click to embrace instead of release and then it crescendos and it just plays real high through the whole eating animation and then it continues to play after the like as you let the body go and you walk around and then it fades back into nothing like that was the music of this game atmospherically was phenomenal right on
0: right on the money We've gone on and on about this game actually for quite a long time. Just a little bit, because I mean, it, uh, is, it is a
1: big game. It, it is a lot to talk uh, about. Lot to
0: talk about. So, say for positives, because I got probably one of the.
1: Yeah, I can say the the dude who did the music's name. Yeah, his name was a uh, Oliver de Devere. <laughs> D e D-E- sounds about right. D e r i v i e r e. So yeah, Devere. He, he nailed that at least. Yeah.
0: Let's we'll make the final point for this game. I guess we can move on to the other games. Great voice acting and all that stuff, and the atmosphere, and everything like that, can't help an insanely boring story. Yeah. It's so, so immensely boring. You wouldn't believe the amount of characters you meet, to what these characters are doing, to what your character is doing, to figuring out who your maker is, and the results of how you treat the city and everything. You think all these things culminate and. All the talking and all the conversations are just so mind-numbingly
1: boring, you wouldn't believe. To that point, I did find out when I did research for my notes that August last year, a couple of months after the game had come out, oh, yeah. that a 21st Century Fox had optioned to turn it into a television show.
0: Who knows if, that's even gonna, if that'll get anywhere or not, but...
1: I mean, and I, I said the whole time we were playing this game, I was like, this would make a much better TV show, I think, to give you a re, Because you can literally walk up to somebody, get every single one of their hint dialogue options and get all the experience from them, and never speak to that person again and yeah. get it all done in less than 10 minutes.
0: And let's say that you can do that to, what, 80, 85% of the people you a, meet. A good chunk, yes. And you never have to speak to them ever again. But... On the lines of what we say, somebody's going to be nice and turn out to be evil or be evil and turn out to be nice. You go through that so many times and so many characters have uninteresting stories you wouldn't, you just can't imagine. And the overall actual story of the game is just not handled well. You spend a good chunk of the game trying to figure out what's the cause of the, the flu, which leads to this, the play, he thinks the I guess the plague of some crazier vampires. And you spend a large chunk of the game running around the city trying to figure out what's going on just for like the end of the game to shotgun everything that's actually been happening to you all at once. And I hate when stuff does that. It hangs a mystery over your head and then literally throws it all into your face in the last, what, two or three hours of the game. It's literally like the whole final bit. It's just like, here's what's happening. Here's why. Here's who it was. Here's your maker. Fight this thing. Here's the credits you're just like, why did you spend, what, 30 or 40 hours of this game just explain, kind of trickling this out in good storytelling? Like it, it literally makes, some other game did this to me recently, but it literally makes everything you do between the beginning of the game and the end of the game, all of the in-between, completely pointless. Every single thing you do in the game is po- who you save, who dies, who lives. None of it matters between the opening of the game and then when you figure out what's going on by the end. All the in-betweens pointless. I cannot remember another game or
1: something or a movie or something did this to me recently. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. A lot of people were excited about this game. Like a lot of people were talking about this game before it came out cuz the, the developer has been doing very good work and the concept behind the game is kind of cool.
0: Yeah. They did good work. They were literally only famous for Life is Strange when, when cuz nobody really talked about it, Remember Me. The Life is Strange was so well received that I, mean, I was
1: I was in the group of excited people for Vampire. And um the it took it a while but this game did sell over a million copies. Yeah no one talked about it after it came out because everyone was like oh oh
0: there's not much i mean we spent 40 minutes on it but there's not there's no notable characters you meet other higher vampires i guess and they're so unimaginably uninteresting like you just like i just i don't care nothing about this dude i don't care what he's done who he is what happens to him jonathan doesn't evolve at all he's though he's a likable character in general there's no evolution to his character throughout the game whatsoever. He's the same guy at the beginning that he is in the end. He's exactly the same dude.
1: Yeah, he's just a, uh, a ne'er do well. know, yeah. is that
0: the word? I'm a the good, word? Kind of goody two shoes a little bit. Yeah. Aside from the murdering people in the streets, he's a goody two shoes. Yeah, I was always like he had no problem
1: massacring people. But oh, I don't think I want to eat people. Yeah, he'll, I'll slaughter people all across so, na- London, no problem. Yeah. You got anything else? I'm trying to think. I think I'm okay.
0: You yeah. copy anything, anything positive or excessively negative? Do you want to bring on the end here?
1: Play it on easy. If you're not an achievement hunter, you can still keep people alive. Yeah. We one thing we didn't talk about. This affects Drew and your non-eating playthrough. Is you're a doctor, people do get sick, and you have oh, to heal gosh. them. Yeah,
0: there's a mechanic in the game. I totally oh, forgot about. It. It's like keeping everybody healthy in each district everybody has health not a health bar but they get they get sick it's completely random they'll get headaches flu colds there's like nine different things that can happen but you not have to worry about it so much aside from if if they're not sick they actually reward him more blood but you gotta craft these cures and run around to every single moron in each district that you
1: can't fast travel to
0: That I can't fast travel to craft all this bull crap carry all these people heal all these people and keep everybody healed throughout the whole game, which I managed to do. It's not impossible because I had to for my achievement. If if my district failed below a certain level of health, it would fall into chaos, and then people would just start dying, and then that would negate my achievement. So I pulled it off. It's doable, but really tedious, and not fun in any kind of way, because you're running around, literally walking up to people that, like you said, you've already expunged uh, all their dialogue. You You've did it all. Walk up to them, skip to the dialogue real quick, hit the button to give them the medicine, hit the X button real quick, get to the dialogue, and run to the next person. I do that multiple times throughout the game to keep my health at a certain bar, so I didn't negate my entire achievement by making one mistake. Horrible mechanic pointless.
1: And you're... There's a, an overall health bar for each section. Yeah, that's yeah. the health of the people. Yeah. And even if you get it to the max, which is uh It's called sanitized. sanitized.
0: I thought for sure. So I got my first... The first place you're most likely to sanitize is the, the default hub, which is the hospital Jonathan works at. And I was like, oh, sweet. Maybe it's sanitized. I'm done with that place. Boy, was I wrong. I should have known better. Like, a few nights later, people just randomly in the hospital just started... boop, 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 boop. boop. Everybody's sick again. So crap up the medicine and do it all again. Like, it's... It's a bad mechanic, it's not fun at all. I had no fun at all with this game, to be honest. Your experience was slightly different than mine. What I- it did for, for me, and I'll, it's my, it's my wrapping up thoughts for this, everything that I've talked about for this, and everything i experienced with this game, I've already talked to a few other friends about this game. I've talked to Blake about it, of course. I've, this was a game I was interested before playing it, the idea, of course. And then uh, I was interested in, I was going get, to get Jessica to play it at some point, too, because the idea is very intriguing. But with all this stuff, comes together for me is this is the worst game i've played all year and uh listen to this podcast and if you or, or my friends talk, talk about video i play we play a lot of video games through all our game fly and our constant library of playstation xbox we don't play the switch because it's mostly garbage but i play a lot of games and for a game of its deceptive quality between the graphics and the voice acting and stuff like that is by leaps and bounds the worst game i've played all year there's there's just no fun to it whatsoever, and that could have been my difficulty among a few other things. Uh, maybe it was me. Uh, maybe glimpsing behind the curtain of the, how the character, the good and the bad characters, and stuff like that. Maybe I was paying too much attention to how the game works behind the scenes, which I do that sometimes with video games. Maybe some of this stuff is on me. I'll I'll, I'll take the blame for that. But the game takes, and I think Blake he didn't, didn't say it on the podcast, but he told me that this game tries to do so many different things. Between the dialogue, the combat, and the health management, and takes all these different things it tries to do, and it where it botches them all, like it does them all wrong to a point that it does the game re- is just not fun to play in any kind of way.
1: It does them. It does everything mediocrily. It,
0: mediocre, mediocrely. With, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I can't even
1: say the word. It's filled with mediocrity. Yeah,
0: which all that mediocrity mixed together just makes a bad game.
1: They easily could have improve the combat by taking away
0: the game not even that one thing you said the company was known for life is strange yeah take out combat entirely there's no reason why jonathan can't just walk around and talk to people which is a big chunk of the game and you occasionally decide to embrace certain people there's no reason why it couldn't have been a talking game like life is strange
1: because you walk through town. Like, you have to walk through the back streets to get to the other hub cities. And as you're walking through, you can avoid most of the other different types of vampires. They're pretty alone. They, if you only have to get close to them. Yeah. But the humans... they the have Thugs. A, the thugs. Just walking through. And if you get too close... It's not even like get too close. You have nowhere else to go. And you walk, you can't just walk past them. They immediately go, Oh, it's the anime, kill him. There was no chance to negotiate. They assume because you're not in a safe area, you must be a dangerous character walking around by yourself. And they immediately, there is no. Yeah, what well, is this? Like a threat game. level indication. And I felt that I'm like, if they're human, they could be like, hey, sir, you should have a chance to uh, like dialogue your way out of Like, oh, I'm, I'm you know, I'm Dr. Jonathan Reed. I'm making my rounds to other districts. Yeah. And they go, okay, doctor, do you have some papers that allow you to transfer through here or something like you know? that? At a
0: certain point, there is a character that gives you papers to go to another place. Exactly. <laughs> Which <laughs> actually happens in the really game. It really doesn't affect the overall. Yeah. everyone. That's th- one dialogue. So that's one per- you remember that one, that's one person you talked to and you're like, I got papers right here. It happens one time. But, uh, but uh, anyway, that's my, that's my overall thing. Do you have an overall?
1: The overall, play it on easy. Unless you're or, looking for the Or, don't, or don't play it
0: at all. I th- will have a friend was asked about the other day and I think, I could be wrong, we don't have it Game Pass, but I think he told me the game is on Game Pass. So if you're interested, maybe try it on Game Pass. I think it was free. Was it free on Plus at some point? I don't know. If you have the game, yeah, play it on easy. I wouldn't. I, I'm saying that, but I wouldn't play it. I can't. I can't recommend this game to anybody. It's not worth for the combat. The st- you're gonna be so after the, after the opening moment, will pull you in. You're like, oh, this is this is gonna be dope. And then literally nothing, nothing else on that level happens the rest of the game. You're just you're just constantly disappointed.
1: Uh, that that happens quite a bit with a couple of games we've played. Yeah, I want
0: to go on all that
1: mess right now. We gotta wrap this game up. You want to move on from Vampire? hell yeah
0: I'm sick okay. of this game so the next game we're going to do I'm going to let Blake lead the next game a little bit I did beat the game but Blake has Blake's doing a lot better job at taking notes than
1: I am these days we're going to take us to a much I don't say happier a little more colorful <laughs> and slower paced game yeah it's called My Brother Rabbit and it's a uh, point and click mm-hmm. uh, put out by Artifacts Mundi they're notorious they put out I don't want to say cheap because I've played a few of their games and they look good. They have a formula. It's a lot. The other games are very
0: formulaic, but they do have a lot of. It's all art. It's a point and click game with a lot of art and.
1: Very. Usually very pretty. Like this yeah. one.
0: It's all hand drawn and stuff like
1: that. My brother rabbit, there's a in between segments of gameplay is where the story is, and that story is basically an older brother trying to entertain or at least take care of a sick sister, younger sister. While she's in the a hospital. Yeah. And the rabbit that you're using in the story is her favorite pet rabbit. So it's just a cute family story and as you're going you're going through on definitely made up adventures cuz the the fantastical worlds that you end up It, it maybe think of Alice in Wonderland a little bit. Yeah, they're, like I said, pretty fantastical worlds, yeah. like and, uh, I, I, people. And
0: yeah, I assume the the actual parts you play as is maybe him, like you said, maybe it's it's representative of him maybe trying to entertain her while she's in the hospital and stuff like that, telling her a little
1: fun adventure story. The whole game with the TA guide, I beat it in about three hours, okay. give or take-ish. I did 1K it yeah, with my too. TA guide. Yeah, me too. It is the company, uh, Artifacts Moondite, developed, published it, they're... Polish company that's been around since about 2007. Yeah.
0: I think they've been making these point-and-click things for a long time. The Xbox, I think the PlayStation have been getting them. They, we've been getting a uh, quite a large truckload of Artifacts Monday games. I think that they've gotten to where they could port all their, because they're originally a PC company, I think, they've been able to start porting all these point-and-click games I think they had to everything. Xbox and PlayStation because we've been, if you search the company at all on your PlayStation or Xbox, you're going to be uh, blindsided by I don't know 15 games maybe more than maybe because they uh, they put them all out next. I think we we got them all at, at, at the same time like they had a bunch of games and then we got them all at once some of them are in the same series have like one or two or three maybe a trilogy in the same series which you're kind of playing literally the same game a lot of the time It's just got a different different skin on it and a different story. But My Brother Rabbit, I think, is one of the first ones to kind of step out of that a little bit. It's still a point-and-click.
1: But it is a solo title, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it had a a
0: whole kind of story. It went through one point, like from one getting to the end. I'll talk about the the gameplay or what there is of gameplay.
1: The gameplay itself is simple, point-and-click, almost. more. It's point-and-click, but it seems to be more like... Hidden, find the hidden object. Yeah, find the hidden object in this picture, like you used to as a kid with the book. You're like, um, okay, I have to find a, a five, ladle. Yeah, five screws. Yeah, it's like a ladle, a butterfly, and this. And they have them like it'll be the red butterfly, but its wings are actually flower petals. Yeah. And so it's sitting on it, amongst a bunch. So it's it's cleverly hidden, and it's not yeah. overly like filling you with rage because it's there's not no, meant to be. There's no rage at all You're in this game. I don't know some people who like they're tired they're looking look, of looking for stuff. I think the uh, think Mallrats Ethan Suple's character couldn't see the boat and he's like, why can't I see the ship? <laughs> what a weird pool for that. But That's the first <laughs> thing that popped in my head. <laughs> But like that thing, some people just get angry when they can't see can't see something what's right in front yeah, of them. If you're
0: color if you're colorblind, my brother Rabbit would be entirely impossible. Yeah,
1: maybe don't play this if you're colorblind. I do severely apologize for your reflection. But I think they make glasses for people who are colorblind. Not
0: about that, but they some games have been adding a colorblind mode. Now I don't go look around which games have it, but you do see it in the options sometimes for a colorblind mode for people. I did enjoy the animations. Yeah. You're mostly gathering objects to solve a puzzle, and then when you solve a puzzle, you get a little bit of an animation of the rabbit doing its little his little journey across the thing. He's carrying, the rabbit's carrying his little sister, who is a flower. Is she a flower? I think she's
1: like a, a potted flower.
0: Yeah, so he's like putting her in stuff, and they're driving places, or they're flying, or they're just having a kind of a cute little adventure, but the actual gameplay is just finding all these objects, placing them in this place, solving a puzzle, and then the puzzle triggers an animation, and you kind of wash, rinse, and repeat a
1: hundred times. It's... Uh, Animated, uh, how would you explain the anime? I I was thinking more like super old Disney. Because he seemed not marionette style, but like... I think like...
0: It's the wrong word. And I think like... Not puppet or paper mache or something like that, but that's more of a graphic thing, but he kind of moves like a...
1: He has distinct joints in his shoulders, and he just goes full 360, but he has no elbows or hands. He just has yeah. shoulders and legs. Yeah. Kind of like those little skeletons people hang on doors for Halloween that are flat, and they have just <laughs> little <laughs> joints. Yeah, those. Kind of like that. It's That's exactly how he moves. There's not... I'm not going to talk about the story too much, because it's just what it is. I don't want to spoil that, because that's why you want to play. I don't want to ruin too many of the puzzles... Puzzles are puzzles. If you go, if these aren't mind benders, Mm -hmm. don't
0: play this. If you want a puzzle puzzle game, you might want to play a Wizard's Tower probably.
1: If you're tight for time, or you want to actually play something with your kid or, or loved one, that y'all can enjoy together. This I, is perfect. I didn't even think about that.
0: A kid would probably love helping you sit beside you, helping you try to spot all the things on a
1: screen. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's the butterfly, and you know, it just you know, it'd be a cool bonding experience. And especially if you're you're like you're a nerd parent and you really want your kids to get into video games, this is the yeah. perfect
0: way to. This might work, yeah, and they wouldn't be a uh,
1: small serving of crack. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I don't have a bunch to say about this game because there's really not a lot there. It's just a find it's, the item game. Yeah, it's and going it's to, fun. It's
0: literally going to a, going to a screen. They did do one thing that I uh, thought was very good for a point and click game. Uh, usually in point and click games, you have a cursor on the screen. You got rope to move it around. You have to click on an arrow or something or try to find. Try to find the right freaking spot to click to go to the next screen. Uh, It could be kind of tiresome, especially if you're trying to get through a game kind of quickly. They bypass that entirely by putting your screen movement on the D-pad. A lot of other games like this would put stupid things there like I mean, it's still a, there. a compass or bring up your inventory on the D-pad or other nonsense you don't really need in these kind of games. And literally they put the all of the screen movement on the d pads. You need to go up, you hit up, you know, and you know, you know how directions work. But they did that to definitely streamline moving around the map really rapidly. Mm-hmm. Which is definitely different from... Cause we, who knows if we'll bring them up or not depending on whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say. We have played other Artifacts Mundai games. I've played... One or one or two other ones you've played. You've played. I played the pirate one.
1: one. You played the pirate one, which is like enigmatic something. Brother Rabbit, and then you played the Grim Legends for Second Bride. The, That's the pirate one.
0: The, you played, you played for second, bro. Right? I didn't play that one. I thought you played. Okay, so my bad. So I played two. Sorry, so I played that many. I have a couple sitting on my ready to install list. We might bring a couple of these other ones up if they're worth mentioning. I will. <laughs> one of the first ones I played, the one that... I call it the pirate one. I don't, I don't know the name of it. It actually had really bad voice acting. I don't like I hadn't played it yet, and all of the voice acting really bad, like comically bad, that you could surely tell they were recording inside of a booth or something, You get there's, like, an echo to the Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sure, maybe that's an early game where they were smaller when they had no money and stuff like that for higher quality recording.
1: Play it. It's good. It's yeah. fast, quick, if you're tight for time. Again, the perfect, it's perfect for light play. Yeah, definitely. I
0: mean, yeah, if you want to relax after playing something like Vampire, if you've already, like, broke your controller in half and, like, ate it uh, from playing Vampire, pick up your other controller and click on Brother Rabbit and chill out a little bit and find a couple of cute items in a cute little world. It's an entirely different thing. Is that it for that
1: one? I mean, it's, not, it's, not really, it's very short. Right? Very short.
0: You know, we do talk about a lot of short games. I mean, if you're to the podcast, you're used to that by now. A little bit of story, a little bit of clicking around. I mean, yeah. either you'll play it like we played it. Uh, we play mostly Swim up For Achievements, or you'll just ignore it entirely and play something else. I guess well, now we'll move on to our final game, which is the oldest game we've talked about the, so far. I think Think so? Oh nope, nope. Final Fantasy VII was older.
1: I mean, yeah, but the remake's coming out, and that's kind yeah, I'm saying. So but, yeah. anyway,
0: the last game we're going to talk about is Animusha Warlords, the new the well, I say new, it's been about a year maybe, a but year the, the new port to modern consoles. It's been HDFI a little bit. The game doesn't look. Immaculate. Uh, this game was originally on the PS2, and then eventually put out on the re- original Xbox later with additional content. Which ironically, I don't think we got the additional content on the port. We got a port of the PlayStation 2 version mm-hmm. on the new consoles, which I thought was strange. But this is uh, a what do you call it? It's an action adventure, hack and slash kind of. You play as the samurai samanosuke going to rescue princess Yuki Yuki from these demon dudes that have uh, kidnapped her. Talk about the Gameplay.
1: You can talk about the gameplay a little bit. It was developed and published by Capcom back in the day. Yeah, when they weren't as corrupt. Well, no, they're doing much better now. They had a, a rough couple years ago. Yeah, they had they had the whole uh, DLC on disc BS they were doing for
0: a long time that got them probably the worst PR they've ever had. The next next to maybe Resident Evil Six.
1: Onimusha. <laughs> my brain broke for a second. You get to play as Samanosuke Akechi, an actual historical Japanese figure from the Sengoku period.
0: Yeah, I think he's based on a real person so much to the effect that he is copyrighted in the uh, on the on the title screen. He's on he's on the you know bottom of the screen. It's yeah. like it's like registered Capcom and blah blah blah. And it's like Samunosuke, and well, His
1: name is like he's he's a because he's a he's an actual historical figure. But that alone is the actor they modeled the character after, and he did the voice work too. As a yeah. famous Japanese actor, yeah.
0: You probably forgot to look him up, didn't you?
1: I did. <laughs> <laughs> he reprises his role across the other. In all of them, I don't know if he appears in
0: two, but definitely. Onimusha three.
1: He definitely he's one in three. I don't think. I think he, if he does appear it's a real late game in Onimusha two, did yeah. you play as Jube Yagyu? Did you write that down or do you remember that? I remember that. His name just sounds so like many Wow, Jesus! I
0: played that game fifteen years ago. <laughs> that name
1: Jube Yagyu is just like the wow. funny uh, name. Anyway, <laughs> I you, it's action adventure. Yeah, you play as and and the other character you play as is doesn't really explain why she's but there. Somebody says that.
0: Samonosuke is a famous, somebody in the game says he's a famous samurai who is often seen accompanied by his trusty ninja sidekick. Uh, they don't say it that way, but they do say that he, that she
1: is known to be with him. Her name is Kaede. Kaede. She's like the ninja to his samurai. You do get to play as both throughout the game. There are moments where... Swap them back and forth. Samonosuke is uh, locked in a trap or he just gets to a point in the story and it mm-hmm. has to jump to her. Yeah.
0: No, I like the games. That don't do it very often. The swapping back and forth for characters. I don't want to say real t- real time is the right word. Well, I like when something is happening at the same time and you swap back and forth. Like he'll run through somewhere and do some stuff, and then she'll run through somewhere and do some stuff. They don't cross paths. Another side example would be Little Acre. Remember Little Acre when they're running events happening on top of each other a little bit, or kind of like yeah. you run through somewhere and somebody else is right right behind you, and it's just like this. will
1: go through, and then Lily comes in right behind him. Yeah, they're so like anyway, an already but Animusha
0: but, but Animoosha does. This. This where you'll run through certain parts and she can't get through certain things and he'll come through and open certain things it seems like and then she'll come through and be able to go or he'll go through like she can pick locks and someone else can't do that so he'll run through all this nonsense fighting all these demons and stuff and she's just like I'm gonna go the other way
1: <laughs> pick, this lock, <laughs> pick and... this
0: lock and go the other way which may have been a just a
1: design conceit just to get her through somewhere faster well because Samunosuke some of the uh the battle components do you want to talk about do you want to spoil anything we beat this game people should have played this game by now right anyway but you get he just has three swords and you get different magical abilities with
0: him and he obviously gets more and more powerful throughout the game you get to upgrade his life and magic meter her on the other hand no she gets a one new pair of daggers because she's She's just not as important, yeah. I
1: guess. And for her, it's a priority to avoid combat. You don't really need to fight with her. Yeah. There's it's like one achievement tied to her killing one Doing thing, a
0: special attack on an enemy.
1: And yeah. the rest of the time is just dip, duck, dive, dodge, and dodge. Yeah, getting around.
0: The game is, well, on the modern consoles, you play with uh, the analog stick and stuff like that, and you've mm-hmm. kind of got free-range movement. If anybody is as old as I am and played this game, Originally, back on the PS2, you were realize the original game, which you can turn it on in this game. The original game was entirely tank controls, like Resident Evil, one and maybe two and I three. You, uh... All the early Resident Evils had tank controls, so originally this game was done in tank controls, and it's kind of very, very, it's Capcom, it's very Resident Evil. You would run around this, you're in, a, you're in a small place, you're running around gathering items, and doors are locked, and you know it's like kind of like how Resident Evil you run around. And there's you solve puzzles and you get through doors and you find maps and instead of zombies you're fighting demons like it's
1: well, some of the demons are a zombie
0: looking <laughs> yeah some of the demons kind of look like zombies so it's very if you've played a Resident Evil this is Resident Evil with swords and zombies swords and demons like swords
1: it's swords and sorcery you can tell you
0: can literally playing it and running around in that game you could tell it was made by the same company kind of like a, like y'all clearly made this like right after I don't know what Resident Evil would have been around on PS2 days for Code Veronica maybe I'm not a resident I'm not a huge Resident Evil
1: person because the first, second one was on a normal PlayStation, right? Yes. And so I would assume, like, gosh, it may have been four by then. No, four was. well no, four was GameCube, and so it may have been VS.
0: Forgive us for not knowing the history of Resident Evil, but anyway,
1: the game's clearly
0: inspired. well, I say, was inspired, developed by the same people, that same company. Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, because it originally came out in two thousand and one yeah and this version came out uh, January it's not even a year old not even a year old it came out January oh, Sweet. Years. so that
0: means see they've uh, Catcom has yet to announce if they're going to put out the other Animushas. so fingers crossed hope they do because I actually really enjoyed this game for what it was a bit of that might have been nostalgia I absolutely loved Onimusha when it first came out way back in the day I thought it was one of the coolest games I ever played you weren't the only
1: one Onimusha was the first PS2 game to break a million sales wow really Mm-hmm. It was the very first PS2 game to break a million sales, and then it went on to sell over two. That's awesome. So it, it I wonder how its sales are doing as a, as a re-release.
0: Mm-hmm. Hopefully, am enough people have bought it. It's $15. Mm-hmm. We bought it for 15 bucks. I hope that if we've pushed enough sales to, they would warrant putting... There's three more Onimusha games. Two more that are... Like, I think two's maybe connected to Simonosuke a little bit. Two's connected Three's you you play a Seminosuke, <laughs> and then four was a game that I I never played because three kind of wraps up Seminosuke. Four
1: Dawn of Dreams. I thought it was called
0: Four. It's Onimusha Dawn of Dreams. I never played it. I avoided it. I don't know why. Probably because I was so butt hurt about not being Seminosuke. I never played it. Ironically, I own Onimusha two, three, and four downstairs on the PlayStation. I have the games, which I just I know if if I pop one in, they'll put it out on freaking Xbox. I would rather play
1: and get a couple of achievements out of it as a whole the Onimusha franchise is successful yeah. like it was then because it managed to spawn a total all within the same console except for one is it, it spawned five games I got this
0: Onimusha 1 Onimusha 2 Onimusha 3 Dawn of Dreams and Blade Warriors and one more Tactics mm-hmm. it was a game advanced it, it still counts so six games in its lifetime
1: yeah. That's why I said five C. Yeah,
0: Blade Warriors. bet nobody's heard of this game. Blade Warriors was uh, the developers of Animusha thinking, we can make a Smash Brothers game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: with,
0: with our uh, really small roster of characters we, we've accumulated across, uh, or three or four. I think Blade Warriors was pre-Dawn of Dreams. Yeah, because you so, only had the... So it was, yeah, and then, uh, so that was, it was interesting. I remember playing, being stoked about Blade Warriors. And we played some Blade Warriors back in the we day. Did. I don't know if it's ageable or anything like that. I, I, I haven't played it since we were kids. But I thought that was funny to think you could make a game like that doing this.
1: <laughs> Just
0: you did. You did play as the characters throughout the the few characters throughout the franchise. I think you, did you play as the monsters? Still the monsters yeah, as the so, some of the monsters did. You play as little demons. Some of the monsters. So like that, was a, that was that was a
1: strange and... turn for the series to make. But they tried it, and yeah. I guess because people because I think Smash Bros. had come out that same year. Oh yeah, Smashers has been out since the sixty four, which was probably around this time. PS 64, or... well, it's after, isn't it? It's yeah. PS two PS
0: two is after the sixty four, so yeah, that. Yeah. They, 64 and the PlayStation One. oh Okay. Yeah, that's that's the competition. There are PS2 right, and GameCube. I'm stupid, and... which, the, which the GameCube couldn't compete, of course. but have also had a Smash Brothers game. It just you had to be that there was a meeting at some point inside Capcom where they were they had finished on Emotion three, I guess, or like we're in between. They were like before anybody tossed out the Dawn of Dreams idea, they were like Smash Brothers. <laughs> like, there was a meeting that happened, y'all. Like it, somebody <laughs> in some meeting said something ridiculous like that, and everybody was like, "Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not." And oh. then, and then the game, the game got made. I kind of want to find it and play it again, to be honest.
1: Right, yeah.
0: I, I mean, even better, like, oh man. If it got, got released, there's no reason. If you can port Onimusha 1, you can port 2 and 3 in Blade Warriors and Dawn of Dreams can all be ported to modern consoles. I'd buy every single one of them in a heartbeat.
1: I probably would too. I'd even.
0: Onimusha is. I think I bought Onimusha on release. I mean, it's been a long time. I played it forever to play it, but I think we bought it to support.
1: Because we wanted To
0: support to. Capcom putting the rest of it out. I think we bought Onimusha to port the day it, or at it least came the week, the Friday. Week, the week, whatever payday it was that came out. We went ahead, went ahead and bought it. So hopefully there's been enough push. There's been no announcements, of course, but Capcom right now rocking their. I haven't played it yet but the, you know the immensely well received Resident Evil 2 remake and stuff like that already talking Resident Evil 3 remake and stuff like that knocking it out of the park with Monster Hunter which we already talked about Monster Hunter and then just now released Iceborne and then you top all of that off with the pretty supposedly I haven't played it yet amazing revival of Devil May Cry you know skating the DMC game that Ninja Theory made but Devil May Cry 5 is supposedly amazing I just wonder if now is the time we would get a god if not a Nanimusha remake Make we'd maybe get a at least maybe a brand new Animusha game in the stop maybe in the graphics and the stuff like that of what Resident Evil 2 looks like now. Or what Devil May Cry I can imagine Devil May Cry 5 or his graphics or anything like that. Animusha and the graphics of one of those games. And uh, so, oh, speaking of graphics and being modern, the one thing that Animusha, the port, does suffer from is old combat, the game. Does not combat's hard. Only I feel like only because we're used to playing more modern action games. Faster that like, reaction, faster like counter. does not does not move. Probably your brain's going to tell you to do one thing, and Samus is not going to do that. He's probably going to stand there and just take that hit more often than not. As your brain tries to figure out the controls, it takes to move out of the way. Sometimes you're just going to take that hit.
1: I wanted to bring up the fact you mentioned Doflamingo just now. Oh yes, yes. Way back in the day, uh, the rumor is that for Capcom, like studios would literally be like working on the same game literally across the hall from one another, or like a few rooms, like yeah. within shouting distance from one another. Yeah, and different development teams would be jumping around, playing each other's games, trying to help them how to improve it. And so one night, one of the create one of the people in Animusha was encountering a glitch. And they couldn't figure out how to make the glitch go away. So they hollered at a teammate across the hallway. A Mr. Hideki... Kamiya and he came over and saw what was happening in the game and what was happening in the game is Samonosuke kept rapidly hitting an enemy and juggling him in the air but that's not what they wanted to happen it was supposed to hit them and the their physics engine was just supposed to knock them back or knock them down but yeah. he kept juggling them in the air they managed with the this gentleman's help to fix that problem and smooth it away and that's not a problem that like you can still uppercut enemies yeah but you can't you don't you don't you juggle don't, you don't juggle it on any but if you don't know the name Hideki Kamiya, this man would actually go on to create Devil May Cry. Yeah. It's, you know, hard rumor, of myth, and legends. People say that that glitch inspired him to create Devil May Cry. Or add, in, or add juggling into Devil May Cry. I'm of the mindset that he was in the building already working on Devil May Cry. Yeah. And then he was inspired by this glitch. to do juggling. And that probably created an entirely new genre of actions. Action in, combat. Because you have... Onimusha, which itself is an action. But then you have Devil May Cry, which is... Hold on level. Bananas, hack and slash action. It's a vastly different style. And I would assume, I think Devil May Cry started... Because what came out first? Devil May Cry got a war. Because they have the crazy action combats. And I think Devil May Cry started it. I'm trying to think when Devil May Cry would have came out. Devil May Cry had to be PS2. And I'm thinking 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. On that same note,
0: thinking about that talking about remakes and stuff, what if the dude, I can't remember his name, about think, Kamiya. Because he's still around, because I'm pretty sure he's been doing the new Devil May Cry, maybe? Devil May Cry 5?
1: No, 05 is when God of War first came out. It debuted on PlayStation 2, 2005. Hmm. When's Devil May Cry? <laughs> sure, I, 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 but
0: uh, I think it would be super dope now, and I don't know why it hasn't happened. What if he would make a, a modern Onimusha game? Imagine if... Imagine if Samanosuke kind of, now it's a little different. It was a different time frame. There's a, because Onimusha is based in a a way different time frame than Devil May Cry 1. But what if Samanosuke was able to move with the quickness and agility of Dante? I know it's a bit of a stretch because Dante is part demon and stuff like that. But the fluidity of the combat, it'd be so cool to have an Onimusha game that had that kind of, Mechanics and stuff in it. I, even then, I'd kind of hate for Onimusha to turn into a Devil May Cry ripoff. Even though the irony of what that would be if Devil May Cry originally was helped by Onimusha, then Onimusha eventually made a Devil May Cry ripoff. Yeah.
1: Uh, Onimusha came out January 2001. Hmm. Devil May Cry would debut August 25th, 2001. Hmm. Wow! And then got a war four years later. They preceded both of them.
0: Way preceded, yeah.
1: So Animusha is sort of like the accidental father of that's, like it's not related at all. Not related at all. That's funny.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. It's cool I think about all these kind of and all these people being connected, and that is a long a long standing I don't know. is not talked about anymore these days. It's been more of a classic, but is reviving stuff. I mean, and there's no I and mean, they they put money into a port. I mean, there's no reason that Animusha shouldn't come back.
1: With the amount of time that uh, we just talked about it, so that's why I'm bringing up the amount of time that Square Enix has complained and fought against doing its remakes of eight, nine, seven, ten, etc. cat come over here going, boom, 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 just shooting them out, not complaining at all, well, and putting them and giving us... What like, people, people wanted. Exactly. No. High and, and not even high quality, they're just like, here is a well, somewhat... I'll say, I'll, say, I'll say high quality. People say Red Table 2 remake is amazing. Albeit, these games are much... Small. More contained, yeah. Than a sixty-hour RPG yeah. versus. Speaking of
0: contained, Animusha is all of three I, hours. I beat first it,
1: I beat the entire game in four hours and twenty-two minutes. You're right. So was four hours. hours
0: because there is an achievement for beating the game in under three. Under three, which is doable, but I'm not going to do it. There's achievements and stuff tied to other other types of playthroughs of this game. I'm not going to go terribly into it. We neither one of us one caved this game. And this is gonna sound crazy because I you know I, I tortured myself through vampire and stuff like that. But I played through Animusha on easy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: got majority. Majority, like short of like six achievements in that game. I had a really enjoyed it, I had a great time, tons of nostalgia, and then the remaining achievements, what they will do is they were probably obtainable. But they will probably make me regret turning the game on. So I just took what I got from that game, achievement-wise, and uninstalled the game and left happy.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I don't i don't think I'm going to try. Yeah, I
0: uninstalled it. There was one thing I tried. There's a bonus mode called Oni Spirits, which you get an achievement for beating Oni Spirits. And then Oni Spirits unlocks Extreme Mode, which Extreme Mode sounds fun. In Extreme Mode, what it does is give you the ultimate sword and infinite magic. From the get-go. From the beginning of the game. It sounds really dope. But you got to beat Oni Spirits. The problem with Oni Spirits is Oni Spirits is extremely difficult. I don't really want to explain it. But I tried Oni Spirits one time. It's 12 rounds of this stupid thing you got to do. Blake said he got to round two. I got to round four with immense struggle. And that's when I, I did that. Round four. Really hard. I was like... I'm done here. This was the other night. I was literally waiting for uh, installing another Gamefly game onto my console. And while I was installing, I was like, I'm going to try Oni Spirits and see if I can get it. Because I wanted to play Extreme Mode. I'm pretty sure you can tie Extreme Mode with probably Stack on top of the three-hour completion. You imagine running through the game. and That sword literally... Because you, you actually get that sword at the very end of the game normally. And you, you get to run that last little bit with a sword that like slices enemies into oblivion with one hit. It's yeah, really it's cool.
1: Pretty, and it looks awesome. It looks,
0: re- <laughs> it looks really cool. Uh, but you can start at the beginning of the game. I imagine you can run through with that sword slaughtering everything and get to the game in no time at all and even it's a very uh what do you call it? like a uh sh- crap you know your way like a prime like speed run kind of game like if you know where you're going like in the early resident evils if you know where you're going hit this door grab this key hit this lock hit this puzzle hit this optimize path optimized path kind of game so you can run through that game especially with that sword and get to that game and i mean we did four hours and i did and that's with no guy. So because there's very
1: light guide
0: i didn't have any guide at all there was a ta didn't have a guide and uh there was a guide for certain like yeah. certain random achievements i did screw up i did screw up my collectibles blake got an achievement i didn't get because he got all the collectibles i think i got all the books all the book. i missed all the books so okay you got all the
1: books and i got all the stupid magic gems yeah because i because I, I didn't know how to get one of them and i yeah. showed you how. so blake
0: got all the books and i got all the magic gems so we kind of alternated achievements there but it's not worth playing through again just for one achievement and i don't want to spoil the the good experience that i had but anyway so no only spirits which means i'm not going to unlock extreme bows i'm not going to do it there's two other weird playthroughs that i don't feel like doing which is playing through on normal never upgrading your weapons or magic and then separated by playing through a number with never healing yourself, never using healing items. healing items. You can absorb healing from enemies. Neither one of those I actually really want to do. Uh, to be honest, I think it's doable because you can not run from everything, and then you'll be backing yourself into a wall
1: with bosses. Maybe unless you it, could unlock the extreme mode and then do it all. Yeah,
0: I think it could all be done in extreme. Well, no, extreme, no extreme's No extreme not normal. It's or there's a normal and above. I might
1: be normal. Well, I think it might say normal or higher. I mm. don't know. Maybe, but I did The only spirits was so
0: annoying and impossible, I didn't want to spoil the experience of playing a good. Nostalgic video game Do we want to talk About the story A little bit Here a dude Trying to save a princess From some demons is not known Was never known For it's story At least Animusha 1 Wasn't Like things got crazy And like oh, I, I remember 2 All that well Things got wacky in
1: 3 uh, What was that called World's
0: Demon Siege Demon Siege Yeah Had another real <laughs> Had another real and Not only the Samunosuke person uh, Real They used Jean Reno His likeness And he voiced his character And uh
1: And he plays a French police officer <laughs> He plays a French <laughs> police officer
0: himself well, Ar- Ar- 3 is was, was weird but it was, it was oh, so awesome also if you do nothing else YouTube the opening cinematic for Animusha 3 I haven't done it recently but it was literally a cinematic that was so good back in the day that we would turn on the game just to watch the cutscene sometimes I
1: don't remember the name of, of the choreographer but that same year that, that game came out or the, or the year prior is that Jet Li movie Hero hmm it's the exact same choreographer, and you. It's beautiful. Oh, well, I don't know about the movie, but that the cutscene is freaking beautiful. Well, the movie is pretty. It's a living poster. to All the colors, but the yeah. choreography is the same. Yeah. choreography. Just YouTube.
0: Anamusha 3s opening cinematic and just bring a change of pants.
1: Get a big old gooey
0: oyster in your shorts. Uh, anything else? I love the game. And some of that speaks of nostalgia. Like I said, the the combat does not hold up. You're just you're pretty much just swinging a sword around. He can block. Swinging a sword around, murdering demons. You got three: type th- weapon's a lightning weapon, a fire weapon, and an air weapon. I played most of the whole game with the lightning weapon. I upgraded them all for achievements, but on easy mode, you really just run around. You can change the swords just for to look different, I guess. You do find different armor that do different things.
1: Each weapon does have its own separate magic bar that yeah, you can use to easier. your advantage. Like if you are in a tight spot, you can, and you have a quick swap. On your weapons. But you have to be standing
0: still. Yeah,
1: you can't. You have to be standing still, so it's kind of hard during boss fights. But you can quick swap to your yeah. weapons and just. I found it because I spent most of the game using the lightning sword just because it was yeah. it moved the fastest. But I would start the whatever boss fight with either the em- wind into your magic bar and just gung ho, just boom boom, just spam the the yeah. magic and then switch to the lightning one.
0: If you have tight spots, the game as being old, the no camera control. Yeah, you are as... Now I want to say I even, now some places are set camera. Does the camera ever move? At all? I don't remember. I played it like a week ago. Does the camera ever pan with Samanosuke? Nope. You know, so, you'll so get you're, to you're the edge,
1: and then it'll so, swap. <laughs> it
0: does that thing sometimes where you'll be running in a direction, and you'll change screens, and you'll it'll flip the controls on you. You've, you've played video games, you know. It'll flip the controls on you, and you end up running back the screen you just walked up off, and you're like, oh, jeez. Okay, let me
1: walk this way, Samanosuke. Let's just, let's keep, keep it going forward, buddy. But one of the good things about that is now... On a, a modern console with uh, better processing, it's less than second load times. So it's just boom, 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 like yeah, I think, yeah. There's no really old times in this game at all. Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, it's such an old game. I mean, uh, there's no way the console struggled at all to run these these older games.
1: No, and that's what because uh, I, I can imagine playing originally and mm-hmm. being frustrated with that because you're like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. it's going to load. But it was pretty smooth. Uh, it's setting. quick.
0: It's quick. What else? The music just. Really I want to say racist, <laughs> racist. This racist Japanese. not racist. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being stupid, but it's just Japanese I mean, samurai music. I mean, I'm sure. I know, if I find some,
1: I'm trying sure, to sure find the soundtrack. I'll play I don't some. Use the wrong term. It's not a sitar. It's that um. Ding, 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 ding. That's, that's Chinese. <laughs> Dang it, uh, Maybe His voice. It's the um. Oh my god, I don't know what the instrument is called, but it's the, the dude from Thinking Scientist does it. That that three string guitar with the fan. Ding, yeah. ding. Or that and the or the um like the the bass where they sit down in front of it and they slide their fingers across. it. Yeah. I don't know what those things are called. But yeah, it was. I mean, it was just you know like feudal era Japan yeah. music. You're not. Yeah,
0: it's not gonna like. You are gonna be like, man, this music's weird. It just like, it goes right
1: in. It just fits right in there. Because I don't know if it's... Just because we watched the... I think the opening for Demon Siege. I think they played the song When Worlds Collide by Pyramon 5000. Or is that just a YouTube clip that I remember? <laughs> That's gotta be a YouTube clip. <laughs> the <There's laughs> <a> only <YouTube no laughs> way
0: Onimusha 3 played <laughs> Worlds Collide in the actual game. Possible. They had money. The game is ironically about worlds colliding. But there's no way that Catcom was like, this is the song we need. I
1: don't think yeah, so. Maybe I, mean, I, mean, I was just watching the video way too many if times. If somebody
0: YouTube. YouTubes the... Opening cinematic, and it does play that song. Let me know because I there's no way <laughs> the future would I, I don't know. There's a YouTube video somewhere where somebody chopped it in there, but I don't think that's a real thing. Anything else? Um,
1: I do like the fact it does try its best to, although there's demons and stuff, it does ground itself in realistic stuff using realistic people and icons through history. Because you get to meet a few people who like say their names and they end up being, if you any research model they're like actual icons or uh, staples in Japanese feudal era history. Yeah. Because, of course, you have Nobunaga, yeah. Nobunaga Oda, and then one of his second in command is a fellow you meet throughout the whole game several times and he's constantly trying to recruit Samonosuke to join his side. And you find out that that was like, Nobu- he, when Nobunaga eventually died in real life... This guy was his second command, but prior to that, was he was in charge of recruiting for Nobunaga's army. And I thought that was really cool that they yeah. kept him to that. It, although it was demons and ooh, <laughs> magic, <laughs> but like they still kept people who they were. And, and th- thinking back, Samusuke is not really at all surprised to see demons. No. Yeah, yeah, no he just kind of goes with it, doesn't he? Well, no, because the opening scene happens. When you, Princess Yuki gets kidnapped, the ninja demons plus the big red one that kills him—big red one who just slams him and kills him in one hit—and then the the yeah, oni bring him back to life, and I he's guess, like, well, "Okay, he, I guess." He just
0: kind of he kind of goes with the flow. Though. I guess things like that just happen in feudal Japan. Well, yeah, I, and you demon. I mean, um, you, you, I've seen anime. Okay, <laughs> that happens all the a, time. I play surprise, video games.
1: Spiderman, Cry anime, or whatever, Musha anime—it falls right in line with it. I'm actually, yeah. Why wouldn't there be? It's weird, isn't it? Even if it was just like a mini movie, like a ninety-minute. That's all the Dove May Cry thing was, like a mini movie. I feel like I don't even know what which. I think like I, don't e- I don't even know which variant of Dove May Cry that the anime was. I know it's all Dante, use... but it was probably anyway. One kind of funny bit because I just mentioned uh, Nobunaga, who's a very powerful. Japanese warlord. In some of the uh, parts of the story, you meet that fella, the weird guy who creeps, keeps experimenting and making the very powerful demons. He mm-hmm. has like the weird conical shape. He's a demon too. Mm-hmm. If you read through some of the notebooks, you, you get... Which I did not read. Through some of the, One of the bits of notebooks, he talks about that they've tried this a few times. Mass slaughter of humans to make... Demon stronger and eventually break through. And he mentions two huge names. He mentions, he's like, in his diary or whatever, he's like, Genghis... Something I don't know. He didn't last long, but he was very good at, at <laughs> murdering people. And the other one was uh Alan the Great, Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. He just missed his name because he didn't care about what humans were called. But I, I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, they, they're responsible for. This. Is that in
0: the books? Yeah. He didn't say anything like that. You're talking to.
1: No, his name is a uh, Gildenstern. Yeah. And he speaks, but you have to be, you have to read it in his diaries. And I thought that was like, it's like, oh, they've tried this before, and it was with those two. I again historically massive powerful leaders yeah. that brought a lot of death and knock' just the next one in line and who' after him we don't know anything else mm um, not really it's nice it's such a short game and I can't really talk about the story that much and it is a it is a good story it's an, it's it's compelling it's fun the last CG of the game is amazing it's pretty cool and the last CG is a the... it's pretty cool pretty baller yeah
0: the cgs are kind of all over the place there's weird in-game graphic cutscenes, and there's like and then there's like cg cutscenes, and then there's like two high quality cg cutscenes. you know like budget was all over the place it's weird you caught the difference between it was like there's the opening and then the ending both had these higher quality cgs but somewhere mixed in there was, was these other other like, sort of mid-tier cg mm-hmm. did you notice those yeah i think like, they, like with the bug lady kind of like this weird mid-tier cg with well, somebody else
1: i <laughs> Because, like, the backgrounds were static. They were just I mean, completely still, memories. and they they were toned down, but the models themselves were or, definitely of a much they're, higher quality. But, yeah,
0: but that didn't really affect that. That's not what I, that's not what I mean. Maybe it was just me.
1: Or they are talking about the cinematic one, when she, like, busted through.
0: So It was a little strange looking.
1: Yeah. It
0: looked cool, though. I think it was cool.
1: Uh, play Onimusha.
0: Definitely play it. It's awesome. 15 fun. bucks, buy it. Tokyo, come. We want the rest of the games on our consoles, please. I will
1: play through Onimusha 2, 3. three. Play
0: Dawn of Dreams for the first time.
1: I'll play Blade Warriors, and if they even get the rights, I'll play it. Because I think Don, uh, Onimusha Tactics was Game Boy Advance? Yeah, you can emulate that, though. Yeah, I'll, I mean, shoot, if they want to throw it on the... I'll play a grid-based tactical RPG on the Xbox. You
0: played it originally. I, didn't, I don't, I don't know, know
1: if I beat it. It's so long Something ago.
0: We don't know Onimusha? Duh. All right. Well, the last thing we're going to do is Blake has a, a movie lined up to talk about. I missed doing a band in the, our special episode last week. It just didn't fit in with our
1: kind of topic. Kind of
0: yeah, well, not a really the topic our the format for the episode last week was a little little different. I didn't, I didn't want to like just throw my piece in on top of the whole episode with Final Fantasy Seven. So we I skip a week of a band, that's fine. I'll just pick a extra heavy band next week. I already know I already think I know who I wanna do. I ain't gonna spoil it here. But Blake has we watched recently, he picked a pretty cool movie to talk about. I enjoyed it quite a bit. The director has only done two movies and a bunch of shorts. And a few music videos, yeah. a few videos. More recently, I, how do you pronounce his dang name? His name is David Yarvinsky. Yarvinsky. People call him Yarvo. You fill up. Like. We've heard. We've actually heard on a couple of podcasts. People, hey, t- people, tend, people tend to just call him Yarvo. Most recently, you will have seen
1: his movie *Brightburn*, that he, which was he directed it, and co- some gun family members wrote it. Yeah, so uh, Brightburn was really dope.
0: We're not talking about Brightburn, though. We're going to talk about his first movie, The Hive.
1: We already said it was directed, and he actually uh, he co-wrote it with a friend of his, and I think, I'm not sure if he's done other stuff. I don't see it, but it's him. David Yarvo is mostly directing and writing. One thing cool about how this movie actually came to fruition, um, it has two pretty notable producers who came in to help, because I think it was struggling. This is before Kickstarter was a big thing, I think. I mean, he may have even tried to kickstart it, but didn't get the amount of money he needed. Mm-hmm. Very huge DJ named Steve Aoki, mm-hmm. who a lot of people know who that is. I know who he is, never heard his music, because that's just not my cup of tea. He <laughs> He actually did the music for this, and he helped produce it. And then the other one is a uh, Nerdist Industries who is owned by Chris Hardwick. Who well, was back a, then. Back then at the point. Who was a huge lover of horror. Of horror and yeah. was also friends with James Gunn, who is how he met David Yarvitsky. Because David yeah. was friends with James Gunn. It's a big, just melting pot of friends and just perfect things yeah. lining up. There are lots of guns involved. Yes. See, to explain this story without giving anything away. It's a very definitely it's a low budget, but doesn't mean it's not good. About ninety ninety percent of the movie takes place in a single room. That's that's a little much.
0: There's a lot of running around outside.
1: Oh, half, well, fifty percent. Then half the movie definitely 50, half or more. And more than half the movie takes place yeah. in a single room. Yeah. It's
0: not spoilers to say a good portion of that is when you wake up, you're with a particular character and with amnesia. I know that's cliche, but it, believe us, it, it helps in this movie. So A good portion of the movie is him in this room trying to put together
1: what he's forgotten. Yeah, what well, he's... So we're going to go to our character. We're just going to call him... What's his name? I think his name was, was Adam. Adam. Is that his name? You're just making the name up. Yeah, I, his name is Adam Goldstein. And he wakes up with no memory of anything. He wakes up in a room that is boarded up, and he sees just a single note that's written on a wall in chalk right in front of him that just says, remember. That's all it says. And then you spend the whole movie trying to remember. And he, he'll get flashes, and sometimes he's a counselor at a summer camp. And a flashback. And then other times, he happens to be working at a medical facility. And then another time, he's on an airplane. It's very disconjointed because he's remembering in very small pieces as to what happened to cause him to wake up in this boarded up room Mm -hmm. and then as he's going he uncovers additional information This was written all over the room yeah all over the room but i think it's
0: it's, it's everything um hidden under a black light for some reason like he turns up her and turns a black light on and there's like writing all over the
1: yeah so i think maybe this may be a like a not a rolling effect but a reoccurring effect of him every time he goes to sleep he kind of forgets mm-hmm. similar to um memento memento yes <laughs> um, i just had a memento moment <laughs> and so uh, he forgets about the black light but he just that word remember and so he starts slowly
0: well, is there another sign he sees next to the door it says do not trust anyone what is that what it says what's, what's it say
1: don't let the monsters in. Is
0: that what it says? I think so. It says. It's not don't trust them or don't listen It's to like them. don't
1: trust... Oh, yeah. Something near the
0: door was pretty much like don't, don't, don't open this door, dude. Or I think it says don't go outside. It just says... Uh, I swear it has something to do with... We just watched this. I can't believe... It's, God, kind of it's been like, a few, like two weeks since we watched
1: it. I'm butchering this. I'm sorry. It is a very good movie. Yeah. The acting is done very well. In pub- One of the better things about low-budget horror is they aren't tongue-in-cheek about it. They take... Every actor in the movie takes it 100% serious. There is no, like, winking at the camera and, like... fourth wall. This movie's not not a joke. Mm -mm. But it's it's not self-aware either. How they Mm kind of make like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go in the woods alone. (laughs) And then they go in the woods alone. Like, there's none of that. And then the mystery of everything that's happening to young Adam. He's trying to, like I said, he's trying to remember why he's in this room. And then while he's in this room, he starts finding pieces. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the pieces being for some reason, a uh, young lady who has been suffocated with saran wrap and stabbed in the face several times. <laughs> and he's freaking out a little bit cuz he doesn't know this person. He doesn't remember this person and it's all just a huge mystery. I'm being as vague as I can because the mystery is kind of the point. It's very you do,
0: like it does kind of. You learn more and more. I say the first, I don't know, first ten minutes of the movie, or a little, a little difficult. Like when it first started, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like this. But it starts getting kind of. I don't say pacing is not really an issue, like it is, but it starts the kind of movie. It kind of starts to find its flow. I feel like, and it starts. You start uncovering things, and it starts getting going, and it hits a hits a good stride. And you're like, okay, I'm really enjoying this. You start figuring out, kind of figuring out what's going on, and seeing some other characters and stuff like that, and, and you find out. God, I can't spoil. But you, uh, cool stuff starts happening with one or two of the
1: other characters and the the kind of the fun parts of the movie start panning out. I'm going to compare the start to another movie of which I thoroughly enjoy, a movie called Pandorum. Not the overall story, but with the uh, effects of the main characters. How in both situations, the characters wake up not knowing anything. And you as the audience don't know anything. And both you and the character learn stuff at the exact same time and it slowly unfolds and as he uncovers stuff they're not like he's not omitting any information and trying to like trick you he's only as soon as he uncovers something you know about it immediately and Mm -hmm. then he starts putting pieces together in a slow manner and almost and it's really cool how they do it because he's alone and so it looks like how they have it filmed is it looks like he's talking to the camera you know he's like he'll sit on a piece of furniture that's broken and he'll just kind of stare at the wall but how it's positioned he's staring at a very specific thing of writing that he just wrote where he just discovered and he's staring at it but the camera's formed where he's staring at and, you
0: and he finds chalk and he starts writing new stuff too
1: and he's talking out loud because in his case uh it one of his flashbacks he realizes oh I figure out stuff better when I talk out loud. It's just... It, it, that's a little kind of loose, but I'll, I'll accept it because it's, they have to give this trait to this character so it doesn't appear that he's crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: So he's talking out loud to himself, but in reality, he's talking to you, the audience, who is the camera, and it's just really well well filmed. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. Yeah. I also like... like cinematographically.
0: I just want to say, to make you think, I think if I watched... Which, I, if I watched this movie and uh, Brightburn back-to-back, I probably wouldn't be able to tell it was the same director. Besides the movies being dramatically different movies, there's no real... Well, I think some of the violence. I think it... you could tell. Well, the violence, yeah, I guess. But violence just depends. I'm trying to think of writing and stuff like that that makes me... would be make, make me think it's the... You know, you can think about when you watch a Guy Ritchie movie... Like you know, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Oh yeah, but of course that's rare. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying Yarro's no good because he's not Guy Ritchie. That's that's we've, that's insane.
1: We've also only seen two. Of his movies, we haven't watched movies. any of his music videos. As far as I I'm know, not watch, I'm not watching his videos, and we haven't seen any of his short films. So, for all we know, some of these techniques, and we're like, "Oh, okay, I see." Well, it
0: just depends because, I like, guess it's, it's the same example. Guy Ritchie's filming technique is very specific. Like, it does a like I'm not going to try to explain all it here. It's pointless to try to explain it. If you've seen a Guy Ritchie movie and pay attention to how people make movies at all, which you probably don't, there's specific things that Guy Ritchie does with the camera, which are very Guy Ritchie things. So, yeah, like him and then another noticeable one they don't make movies anymore hardly but Neville Dean and Taylor had very specific fun things they did with their camera work a lot of the time which is only in their movies
1: or even um, certain things uh, like Guillermo and saturated colors but you if you pay attention enough you can see especially if you're a fan of the person you've seen all the work you can see it going on we've only, only, we've only seen two of his movies yeah which or both I enjoyed both movies immensely
0: yeah. I can't really decide uh which one I like more? Because there's definitely some super fun acting in the Hive between some certain characters going to some certain things. I Can't spoil it. Mm-hmm. *Brightburn* is just good. You know, I don't slight spoilers for *Brightburn*. *Brightburn* is just good because finally they let somebody be bad and basically get away with it. Because there's so many times when the bad side never gets a win. Like it's always the goody two shoes come in and save the day. You know, it's just like. End game, for example, movies
1: that have bullcrap endings. Well, for me, a bullcrap ending—completely off topic from the Hive—but a bullcrap ending would be um, what's that upright citizen?
0: Oh, law-abiding citizen. Law-abiding citizen. Kind of horrible.
1: That ending. Nope. Anyone you talk to about that movie, they go, no, "Yeah, it was, it was, it was
0: great until the ending." Yeah. Because the ending blindsides you into make and it makes no sense.
1: There's no way that that guy yeah. would be any smarter than yeah. that character. But back to the Hive. Story is good music is good all the acting is fine I don't have really- I feel like the act is the best
0: part to be honest yeah there's nobody well there's one one girl that kind of stands out I, th- I feel like she gets to have the most fun oh yeah yeah, yeah okay. I feel like she gets to have the most I mean, she's
1: yeah
0: yeah I feel like she gets to have the most fun I think she gets more time to shine than everybody else and there is a bit of audio stuff helping her there's some audio trickery kind of helping her a little bit but I think a lot of it's her I think she I bet she had a blast. Do oh, yeah, and so she. I, I don't know. If, I don't even know her name, but she was Perfect. great. Nobody does
1: bad. That character's name was
0: uh, Jess. Yes, Okay, she was great. She was fun. Because I don't want to give away. It's hard to. We're, we do this with all our movies, because we're so wickedly against spoilers. as you know, if you're the podcast, the whole movie is about. Literally, you start. You start the movie with a guy with the amnesia. The whole movie is about discovery. So their best bet is just. Watch it. It is on Amazon. Prime. Do you watch it on Prime?
1: I think we watch it on Prime. Then we watch
0: it on Amazon Prime streaming right now. You can watch it there or just go buy it. But the number one thing is
1: Don't watch a trailer?
0: Don't watch the trailer. Don't watch a trailer for anything. It, it ruins it all.
1: So much. Me and
0: Jessica have been doing pretty good. This is be ironic. Are you done? I want to wrap this up with that's kinda of yeah. fun. You done with that?
1: I do believe go, please watch Hive. Hey. It's so
0: good. Watch The Hive. Go watch Brightburn. If you haven't watched Brightburn, Brightburn was really dope. Uh, Both, Garbo's killing it right now, so support him, and hopefully we'll get some more stuff from him because I like it. Both movies have, both movies have the kind of ending that I like that people are normally scared to do, and I really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Speaking back to... Trailers and something else I want to mention on the very end of this podcast. Me and Jessica have been doing really good about getting to a movie theater late to avoid trailers, so hooray for us! I've been trying to see as few as possible. Me and Blake attempted that this past weekend, and we showed up right when the trailer started. <laughs> we we right. botched it completely. But more to the point on the last thing here we won't do this very often because we mostly talk about older things and stuff like that, it's just kind of the nature of the podcast but I feel like this is worth mentioning because you're going to hear a lot of stuff both one way or the other is that this Saturday past Saturday me and Blake went and saw Joker Mm. and I went in expecting to be underwhelmed to the max because DC so far has put out nothing but Trash upon trash on piles of trash. All their movies seem to have moments here and there that are okay, but most of this crap the DC's been putting out is it's been absolute nonsense. Who knows who's to blame for all that prep?
1: I think it's Joff
0: Jones. Jeff Joff Jones Jam Jim Who knows? But with that said, Joker. Is something different. I don't know what you've heard or what you've read. There's something really unique about this movie. Something where they seem like they've done everything right in a way and crafted a extremely unique experience. It's a Joker. He's a Joker like no other. The actor, Joaquin Phoenix it right yeah, joaquin. does an amazing job and i'm gonna say something weird but it's actually meant as a compliment i told blake about an hour or so after we watched the movie i realized when i was watching joker at no point in my brain did i ever think man joaquin is really knocking it out of the park of this movie because i was so engrossed in the movie and the character that joaquin phoenix never crossed my mind it was always I was never thinking about how good of an acting job this dude's doing. I was seeing a movie or just watching events play out that was this dude experiencing this crap in his life and becoming who he became.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even go as far as to call it a comic book movie. It's in not. It's so different. I would call it more of maybe like a, a character study or a character piece because it's focused on... What's him. all
0: these bull crap happening recently? What do you call them? What do you mean? With Bohemian and... Oh, biopics? Yeah, think of this as like as much that like, biopics are... Garbage people make it just a just a cash in click and throw an Emmy in their closet or a Golden Globe in their closet. Joker is basically a biopic as if Joker was a real person.
1: Yeah, they do. You get like a lot of background. Like like
0: honestly, that's a weird way. I, I thought about that. That's literally hit me in the brain right now as we're talking about it. Like. Like if you were a real character, this would be like if this dude was real. Like if we're, like if this dude's in prison right now, and you're like, here's the movie that showed you what happened, and this is like, and some dude's playing. It, like, I don't know. Like it's it's a very odd.
1: Yeah, and my uh, the only thing uh, I fear is Joker has a very distinct message.
0: Yeah. So. The yeah. weird thing about this movie is... I don't know how to word this. People are liking this movie a lot, and some people are hate. most people that are hating this movie are hating it before they even see it. That's just a typical thing. It's how human beings are, because human beings are terrible. Mm-hmm. And they prejudge things. Joker's overall message in the movie, I feel like, he's not exactly wrong. The way he goes about handling what he thinks leads him down a bad path. But his general idea of how the world is... And how things work, and how people treat people, he's not wrong.
1: Not no, not one bit.
0: And maybe a bit of that is why people, some some people who have seen it were somewhat scared of this movie. But I feel like when I watch a movie like movie like this, sometimes these movies like this are rare. That people will be the people who are liking this movie are going to be liking it for all the wrong reasons.
1: In some cases, I think. They'll be
0: enjoying, like... You'll hear things like, Oh, his laugh was so good. The way he danced around was so funny. The lines of dialogue you said were so funny. He was so weird. He was so strange and creepy. It's just like, all that stuff is in there. But it's not not what the movie's about in any kind of way.
1: I also hate the, uh... The fear-mongering that the media is doing about like every single story yeah it's all like like we're afraid people might riot murder people yeah. shoot people oh yeah, girl it's like obviously you're dumb <sighs> yeah but I don't know that that's all on the real
0: world stuff uh, I know the tone of this podcast shifted weird here at the end but that movie it's it's something special I don't say that about a lot of movies I enjoy a lot of movies and stuff like that and I also uh, hate most movies to be honest I'm, I'm, a, I'm extremely critical uh, even far more critical than Blake is about things a lot of the time I hate things that he was like meh it was alright I'll be like no mother f- Ooh, that thing was garbage and you're stupid for going meh so I'm super critical and stuff like that but there's two movies this year that I've absolutely loved and I've been telling I've already been telling friends about two movies this year that I've loved for dramatically different reasons number one was John Wick 3 it's one of the most fun and most joyous experiences I've ever had watching a movie like John Wick 3 was absolutely incredible when you think the first movie and you're like how could it get better John Wick 2 is even better like John Wick 2 you're like they've topped themselves out they can't do it again and John Wick 3 blows the first two movies out of the water it just does it's this modern take on action and stuff like that that nobody does anymore Mm. like nobody makes movies like John Wick anymore like John Wick 2 and 3 and stuff like that who knows how what John Wick 4 is going to be I don't know I have no expectations but John Wick 3 was been my top movie all year way over stuff like Endgame I'm not going into Endgame right now Endgame don't go into it turned out to be incredibly boring to be honest it was We've it Keep it short Endgame pissed me off Because in- what Endgame boils down to people Is in the very end We just punch Thanos Real hard and we win Yippee We could have done that In the first movie uh, Yeah <laughs> I know Blake was going to Move on from Endgame So Endgame was whatever But I love John Wick I can't remember everything Nothing else has touched me Quite like John Wick has throughout the year. Anything else I've ever you can think of that I've seen that was completely amazing. Me and Jessica watch a lot of horror movies. Um, Crawl did
1: you pretty good, but it wasn't like Crawl.
0: Like, Crawl, me yeah, Crawl is not like, inspiring. Yeah, I also like that. But uh, following that, I pretty much figured after John Wick three, I was done this year. Like I was like, I've seen it. I've seen the best movie this year. I'm done with movies this year. And Blake more or less he had to drag me. I was like, like I do you want to see Joker this weekend? And Blake's like, I kind of want to see it. And I'm like, I'm the one who asked you. Yeah. Well, I mentioned we had other tickets for it, but we didn't go to it but uh but I relu- reluctantly reluctantly yeah. went to Joker expecting nothing and turns out Joker ends up being my tie for favorite movie I've seen this year I can't pick one over over the other they're two com- they're not related in any kind of way of course but you're allowed to have two of a favorite thing
1: well the, if they were uh whatever like a ward you buy Favorite action movie of the year? Favorite Favorite drama? Yeah, it
0: is more of a drama than anything, yeah. I'm going to watch Joker again. (laughs) We'll see if I have a different thought. I'm uh, going to take Jessica to see it here shortly and see what she thinks. I try not to spoil anything for her either. I want her to go in as blind as possible and see what she thinks. She's even less attached to DC than me, obviously. I don't give craps crap about DC. She only watches the occasional comic movie because I drag her into it. But Joker isn't a comic book movie. It's something else, like I said, something special. It has the acting, the atmosphere, and for the first time in my life as far as I can remember a soundtrack that actually reached out out and grabbed me. I know everybody talks about classic horror soundtracks like the, not Freddy, Jason and then Halloween, little nonsense music like that, but there's something about the overall soundtrack of Joker that kind of just scratches at the back of your mind I guess while you're watching the movie there's certain musical cues that happen along with the character while you're watching the movie that you may or may not notice but it helps to I heard it a lot throughout and it was really just draw me in and I was completely engrossed for the entire movie and I just well most of it I couldn't honestly believe the quality of the movie I was seeing being presented before me
1: that music was scored by an Icelandic musician who's uh, she's a cellist. Her name is uh, Hildur Hm. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, she did a phenomenal. Yeah,
0: it's we know the the podcast. However long this podcast goes, I don't I mean this episode. But the podcast in general, and I can almost never mention another movie soundtrack ever again. It was it's excessively rare that I ever mentioned even think about a movie soundtrack that even crosses my mind. It just doesn't happen. It's different from video games. You're not constantly sitting in a moment in a video game with it. Like in a video game, you're sitting in a moment with a song repeatedly over and over again. Joker's composer or music just happens to hit the right moments with the right music and you feel like you have uh, god the kind of moment you're in are just represented by that music in that particular time and then it, the movie will chill out for a minute and you get back to something dark again and, it, and then there's that music cue it's this kind of the same song you heard earlier and it's Happening again. Maybe this has been happening in movies my whole life. I just never cared until the right movie came along.
1: I think it has. People talk about it, but I don't notice music in movies usually too much anyway. Yeah. Alright. So,
0: sorry about that being long winded, I felt like it was good enough to warrant mentioning on the tail end of Blake already talking about a movie. So, definitely you can go watch Hive on Amazon and go to theaters and go ahead and throw Joker some money. Because, I mean, not, not that it's failing in any kind of way. It's already doing its own little set of. Sure it's, doing it's not work. destroying records but it's making its own I think it's doing good like it's not already, it's not going to fail like it's it's crazy but uh, I don't know anything else you want to add to that I feel like it's it's
1: one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life sadly I couldn't find a tagline for Hive which is weird. Oh, your big I, like, I, mean, I like finding the taglines. I couldn't find. I looked at a bunch of the movie posters, but none of them had like the the tagline. Yeah. Or it's, it kind of upsets me, but I don't have that. What's uh
0: What's *Brightburn*'s tag? I didn't look. I don't have one either. It's ah.
1: Probably just like he's not from here <laughs> <Something> <laughs> stupid like that. that. <laughs> Rule of thumb: Please go watch *Hive* on Amazon Prime or buy it. Yeah, and definitely. Go watch Joker. And I like how the fact it's not called the Joker is just Joker. Yeah, just a joke, just Joker. Yeah. Go okay. see both those movies and let us know what you think.
0: Yeah, tell us. Pay attention to the movie, please. There's the movie and the character are somewhat layered for Joker. Gotta get off Joker because this was a Hive episode. Hive is good. Yeah, I'm not fooling around with Hive. Hive was a lot of fun. Hive was fun. Joker, I wouldn't call Joker fun. It's too, it's too sad to be fun. But it's so enjoyable. Anything else? We'll wrap this bad boy up. I think we're good. I want to wish everyone a uh, good evening
1: and good night.